0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 558. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 1 Kings 16. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Interesting section here in First Kings 16, because remember we left last week with the kings of Israel and Judah, and the king who became king in Judah was Asa. And Asa is king for quite a long time. Asa is a good king. Well, now we're going to catch up with Israel, so we're going to do a number of different kings that are all kings overlapping with Asa. First Kings 16, Then the word of the Lord came to Jehu, son of Hanani, concerning Basha. I lifted you up from the dust and appointed you ruler over my people Israel, but you followed the ways of Jeroboam and caused my people Israel to sin and to arouse my anger by their sins. So I'm about to wipe out Basha and his house, and I will make your house like that of Jeroboam and Nebat. Dogs will eat those belonging to Basha who die in the city, and birds will feed on those who die in the country. As for the events of Basha's reign... What he did and his achievements, are they not written in the book of the annals of the king of Israel? Basha rested with his ancestors and was buried in Tirzah, and ella his son, succeeded him as king. Moreover, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Jehu, son of Hanani, to Basha and his house because of all the evil he had done in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger by the things he did, becoming like the house of Jeroboam, and also because he destroyed it. So, Jeroboam is given half of, or Jeroboam is given much of the kingdom instead of Rehoboam because Rehoboam was unfaithful. Well, because Solomon was unfaithful, but then Rehoboam basically also was also unwise. But Jeroboam, even though he's told by God that he needs to follow him and not do the sort of things that Solomon had drifted into, He doesn't. He sets up the high places, gets people worshiping idols. And so God sends a prophet and says, we're going to take the kingdom from you. Basha takes the kingdom from him, but doesn't do any better. So God says, well, we're going to take the kingdom from you again. And so this is one of the reasons we're going to see this turnover, is that God is actively working against these leaders who are taking his country to ruin. God cares more about the actions of leaders because they have more responsibility. This goes back to the Bible, to those to whom much was be, has been given, much will be expected. We should expect more of our leaders, but also God expects more of them because of the responsibility they've been given. Whether appointed, elected, or become leader in some other way, as these kings did, even this king who becomes a ruler through assassination, basically God says, you're ruler now, you're going to be responsible. Elah, king of Israel. In the 26th year of Asa, king of Judah, Elah, son of Basha, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Tirzah two years. Zimri, one of his officials who had command of half his chariots, plotted against him. Elah was in Tirzah at the time, getting drunk in the house of Arza, the palace administrator at Tirzah. Zimri came in, struck him down, and killed him in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah. Then he succeeded him as king. As soon as he began to reign and was seated on the throne, he killed off Basha's whole family. He did not spare a single male, whether relative or friend. So Zimri destroyed the whole family of Basha in accordance with the word of the Lord, spoken against Basha through the prophet Jehu. Because of all the sins Basha and his son Elah had committed and had caused Israel to commit, so that they aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, by their worthless idols. As for the events of Elah's reign and all he did, are they not written in the books of the annals of the kings of Israel? So we get yet another assassination. This is the second assassination out of a very small number of kings here in Israel, and it's not going to be the last one. And he does what people do when they are absolute rulers, what people do when they're despots. He tries to eliminate the competition. One of the reasons we have rules in the U.S. why the Department of Justice is supposed to be independent of the president, for instance, is so you don't get this sort of thing that you're trying to jail your political opponents or have them killed, which would be even worse. But that happened all the time in history. It's not just an Israel thing. It's something that was very common, and we still see that in a lot of authoritarian countries. Just look at the people who have opposed authoritarian regimes and what happened to them. So that's what Zimri does. Zimri assassinates the king. He has a lot of power. He has in charge of half the chariots, but now he takes over the whole thing and kills all of Basha's family. Again, second time this has happened in a relatively small period of time. Zimri, king of Israel, in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, Zimri reigned in Tirzah seven days. The army was encamped in Gibbethon, a Philistine town. When the Israelites in the camp heard that Zimri had plotted against the king and murdered him, they proclaimed Omri, the commander of the army, king over Israel, that very day there in the camp. Then Omri and all the Israelites with him withdrew from Gibbethon and laid siege to Tirzah. When Zimri saw the city was taken, he went into the citadel of the royal palace and set the palace on fire around him, so he died because of the sins he had committed, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord, and following the ways of Jeroboam, and committing the same sin Jeroboam had caused Israel to commit. As for the other events of Zimri's reign and the rebellion he carried out, are they not written in the book of the Annals of the Kings of Israel? Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't remember for sure, but I think this is the shortest of all reigns of any of the kings of Israel, and it's seven days, because basically he is never really king. He proclaims himself king, but the people say no. And even in this time, what the people said has some authority because they put themselves behind the rule of Omri. So they besiege the palace and this upstart king in it. And so even though he is used by God to punish Basha, he himself does not escape punishment for what he did. And it's interesting because it says he has caused the people to sin in the way of Jeroboam. He's only king for seven days, so really he didn't do a whole lot. But it's saying that even just the way he came to power was offensive. Omri king of Israel. Then the people of Israel were split into two factions. Half supported Tibni, son of Ginnath, for king, and the other half supported Omri. But Omri's followers proved stronger than those of Tibni, son of Ginath, So Tibni died, and Omri became king. In the thirty-first year of Asa king of Judah, Omri became king of Israel, and he reigned twelve years, six of them in Tirzah. He bought the hill of Samaria from Shemer for two talents of silver and built a city on the hill, calling it Samaria, after Shemer, the name of the former owner of the hill. But Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord and sinned more than all those before him. He followed completely the ways of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, committing the same sin Jeroboam had caused Israel to commit, so that they aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, by their worthless idols." As for the other events of Omri's reign, what he did and the things he achieved, are they not written in the book of the annals of the king of Israel? Omri rested with his ancestors and was buried in Samaria, and Ahab his son succeeded him as king. So Omri reigns for about seven years, we're going to see as we find out when Ahab becomes king, and he's worse yet. We're going from bad to worse, and Ahab is going to be someone we're going to stick with for a while. We're going to have a more interesting stories about Ahab, but spoiler here, he's not going to be that much better than his father. Now, the other interesting thing in Omri's reign is we finally get the founding of Samaria, so when you hear about Samaritans in the Bible and that land, that's not these people so much as the people who take over this land after these people are taken away. And we'll see that happen later in Second Kings. But this is the first mention of Samaria. This is the land where Israel rules. Part of this will later on become what is Samaria. And then last section here, Ahab becomes king of Israel. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Naboth, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ithbal, king of the Sidonians, and he began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. In Ahab's time, heel of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, Abriam, and he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Sagub, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. So Ahab becomes king, and we're not just going from bad to worse. He considers that all the bad things the other kings have done are just trivial. And this is part of the problem when we move in the direction away from God. We can pick up speed. Basically, we get so used to things being done a certain way that they no longer shock us. They no longer surprise us. When the decisions that we make or the decisions in this case that our ruler makes that would have shocked us 4 years ago 8 years ago 12 years ago 16 years ago uh, no longer shock us today we should be concerned and that's what happens here is it's no longer enough just to have these idle places of worship up on the top of the mountains What happens is Ahab brings the worship of these detestable idols, Baal and Asherah, that were involved with child sacrifice, again, remember, right down in the middle of his city. He's taken those things that we did in secret and now doing them openly. This is a cautionary tale. And then we also get this interesting thing that somebody rebuilds Jericho and loses two children in the process. And the reason for that is Joshua, in the conquering of Jericho, says that when anybody rebuilds the city, this will happen. And so this is in fulfillment of basically a prophecy from Joshua, from the book of Joshua. We're going to go in a little more detail, and we're going to slow down this time frame in the next chapter, and we're going to deal with Ahab as God sends someone in opposition to Ahab, and I don't mean a king. Again, remember I said that part of the conflict we're going to see in kings is between prophets and kings, and so we introduce next week Elijah the prophet. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at Podcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. God's Word will change our life.